When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your host, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, Bucks fans? Welcome to a new episode of Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, your favorite Buccaneers podcast for all things Bucks entertainment and insight. We sail in with new episodes three times a week. That's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings. But this week will be a little different. We all kind of got a little shifty down here in Florida, as most of you guys know. But me and my wonderful co-host, Kaylee Mizell, we're making it work because we always love an opportunity to sit down and talk Bucks. But more importantly, give you Bucks fans all the information, insight that you're looking for about your favorite team. Kaylee, how are you? How did you veer through the week in <laughs> a week of it's us been, just trying to get together and, and yes. get some things done but more importantly this done um but how are you how's everything holding up on your end yeah i'm well um thankfully you know most of my family and friends fared fared the storm um hurricane ian without uh too much damage um only a few friends lost power um, there are still a few friends, sadly, without power. And I know that even here as we're doing this, bear with us, fans, because even Casey and I, are, are, our power is flickering on and off. Spotty. Um, but Casey, just on a, a little bit more of a serious note, um, mm-hmm. just, you know, thoughts and prayers, condolences to everyone who has been affected by Hurricane Ian. It's It's been really dramatic to mm-hmm. see the pictures coming out of, Southwest Florida, um, where the storm initially made contact, um, to see the storm surge and to see just the, the buildings decimated, the, the businesses, people's homes, people's livelihoods, um, just completely totaled and wiped away. Um, and it's just a really powerful reminder that, you know, we have to come together as a community in times like this. And I've been really inspired that the people of this state have come together and people even outside this state have supported the victims and families that have been impacted by hurricane Ian. And, and, and to be honest, I know that 
a lot of devastation has happened in Southwest Florida, but that's not the only place. Cases right. were in Orlando and Orlando saw so much water. There's so much flooding. There's so much power loss still. Yeah. It How was the size you? of the storm. It yeah. consumed and covered the state of Florida. So oh, goodness. just to kind of build off your point there, <laughs> no one was really safe there. Somebody was, everyone was aff affected in one way or another, but it was definitely Southwest Florida that, I mean, you know, that's where the hurricane broke landfall. Um, that's where they were, you know, taking on the most destruction and whatnot. And this storm, Hurricane Ian, was compared to Hurricane Andrew back in 1992, uh, which really tore Miami yeah. apart. So, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where you're never properly prepared for mother nature just has this way of keeping everybody on their toes and, and you don't know. And I know there was a lot of conversations surrounding people being like Tampa dodged a bullet and, and all these things. And, um, you know, regardless, I, I, I know that Tampa stands by what happened. Tampa was bracing for the worst and you can never know where these, where these storms are going to go. I mean, like you mentioned, I, <laughs> I was in a mandatory evacuation zone. I go to Orlando and then, couple hours after I get to Orlando, it's like Orlando's now going to get hit by it after Fort Myers. So yeah, my mom and I, my sisters had a very uh, unique, somewhat scary experience um, trying to manage through that, but definitely sending out thoughts and prayers. And um, Kaylee, there's people that are taking action with that. There's so many websites that you guys can check out, uh, volunteertampa.org. Also, Feeding Tampa Bay is packaging up things, taking volunteer hours and shifts for people to package food to send down to Fort Myers and Naples and all the places heavily impacted. And um, we got some major donations out of it too, right, Kaylee? Yeah, there there have been. And if you're wanting to help, then um, the perfect place to go is Florida Disaster Fund. Um, and so that 100% of that is going to real people in these situations across the state of Florida. Um, and Tom Brady actually has pledged that he would support um, the Florida Disaster Fund and um, that he's going to make a donation to get things started and that he really encourages the rest of the NFL family to, to follow suit. Um, and he encouraged the NFL family in the entire state of Florida, but you know, I'll go, I'll go one step above and beyond and say, you know, if, if you're anywhere um, and you just feel like that, that tug to, to help um, these people, I would encourage you to look at the pictures and look and see really how, how decimated um, some of these areas are, mm -hmm. then I would just encourage you to do that. So really, really cool to see Tom Brady, um, you know, supporting this state, supporting this area and and making an impact and he wasn't the only one to do so casey the mm -hmm. the, the glazer family the owners of the tampa bay franchise they have also pledged to donate to hurricane ian relief efforts in florida they've mm -hmm. they've donated a million dollars to organizations providing support to those who have been impacted um in southwest florida and and throughout the state they did that yesterday on thursday and so um, that's just a few of the organizations kind of specific to the Bucks, since we're a Bucks podcast, you know, that, yes. that we're going to be talking about. But there's been plenty of organizations and people have been so generous. Um, and so it, it, it really is heartwarming to see. And Casey, I know that there's been conversations about, you know, should should this game still be played in Tampa? Should should they still do that? And um, 
I, I say this with with as much like you know compassion in my heart as possible to to understanding that there are a lot of people who have been impacted. Um, yeah. But that's why we have sports. We have sports yeah. because it brings us together. It is a source of community. It is a mm-hmm. source where you know it doesn't matter where you live, where you work, mm-hmm. how much money you make, what color you are. None of those things matter. We're a team. We're a community. We come together and we support this what team and this community. And I actually think that it's really cool that they're still having the game here because I think that we're going to see a lot of people within the Tampa Bay community, um, mm-hmm. but, but frankly, across the state of Florida, come together to support each other. Mm-hmm. After a disaster like this, you really, really realize how vulnerable we are as humans. And oftentimes I see it bring communities together. And so I actually think that it's a really cool opportunity for Mm -hmm. us to see how much Tampa Bay is able to bond together. And Tampa Bay is able to give to people who have been impacted by the storm across the entire state. Excuse me. Um, I I think it's a really, really cool opportunity um, to show people to show the nation to show the state that um you know that that even in the midst of really hard things that we can pull together and we can be for something um and also i mean i think whenever you're in the midst of a tragedy and and going through really hard things you want to get a relief and you and yeah. you want you want to watch something that's enjoyable, and so I think it's for those reasons. I'm going to kind of give give an early prediction, <laughs> but I think it's for those reasons that we're going to see this Tampa Bay team Fire really up. play their hearts out on Sunday. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more about the ability to kind of find strength um, and hope and in camaraderie, and what better way to support a, a, a standing Florida team. Um, and while some people may feel like, you know, it still doesn't help the people that are stuck down in Southwest Florida, it still doesn't benefit the people down in Southwest Florida. I can't imagine that this team would continue and kind of push for having this game back at Raymond James Stadium because they had an option to take it up to Minnesota. But I feel like they pushed to have it at Raymond James Stadium so that the employees of Raymond James Stadium can still have a place to go to work so that they can kind of honor everyone who went through the travesty of Hurricane Ian, they can honor them. They're probably going to do something to where I wouldn't be surprised if proceeds from the game end up going down there. So while there's a way to come together and kind of find, you know, hope, camaraderie, a light at the end of this, you know, crazy week in this this flustering tunnel here, I'm sure it's not going to go in vain. I'm sure it's going to come with so much that's going to end up benefiting and being contributed and donated to uh, Southwest Florida. And after that, you know, they're going to build off of this performance, no matter which direction it goes in. And they're going to make this a priority and a focus to continue to heal and build that community. Um, Guys on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you've got a lot of gentlemen that are from the New Orleans area that were part of that Hurricane Katrina catastrophe years ago. You know, Leonard Fournette spoke about it in his press conference. He was a kid and he remembers just kind of when they were in the clear, if you will, seeing dead bodies floating around. So everybody has a real um, link and a real perspective on what just took place in Florida, especially these players. And I know it's going to be a priority for them 
um, not after the game, but starting with this game to make sure that they find a way to help at all costs. And as you mentioned, Tom Brady got that going. The Glacier family got that going. Even the, the Tampa Bay Lightning um, made their contribution. So this whole community in Tampa, they don't feel like they dodged a bullet to where they're not going to be involved in helping. And I, I'm sure that anything that takes place from the minute that it hit Wednesday from here on out, that Tampa Bay as a community and all sports teams are going to make it a priority to give what they can and um, help rebuild uh, a, a community in, in Florida because Florida as a whole was impacted whether families went to escape thinking that they were getting out of the way and ended up right in the brink of it. I mean, I had friends that went down to Naples thinking that they were going to be fine and luckily they are, but still it's a very scary thing. So uh, no, I'm not opposed to this game going on on Sunday. Um, I, I have a lot of confidence that it's going to end up being something beautiful and a, a huge donation and, and contribution down in Southwest Florida. With that said, somewhat pivoting on a not entirely lighter note, but building off of um, Sunday and the Bucks hosting the Chiefs at Raymond James Stadium, we do have an injury report update for you here at Jolly Rogers and touchdowns. We know that it's been a bit of a roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster of Who's hurt? Who's not hurt? Who can go? Who can't go? Who's going to push for it? Who, you know, needs to give it a rest? So in in a lighter aspect of it all, we did get Chris Godwin back participating in practice. Um, if we did not touch on this quite yet, guys, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did head down to Miami when they first realized how intense Hurricane Ian was going to get. Um, I'm pretty sure they headed out before Wednesday's practice on Tuesday. They tried to get their families and everybody on the move as soon as possible. They were able to have full normal practices Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, according to head coach Todd Bowles. So within that, um, obviously we know Akeem Hicks is going to continue to be out for a while. The good news being that Chris Godwin had limited participation, a rest day, and then limited participation today. He'll be a game time decision. Um, same thing along the lines with Julio Jones, limited participation, but took a rest day today. He will be a game time decision. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this team really push and not even the team, it's the players. They make the final call and depending on how their body feels, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, as well as Donovan Smith, who had um, limited reps throughout the, or limited participation throughout the week, pushed to be a part of this big game versus the Chiefs after a narrow, narrow, tough, tough loss versus the Packers on Sunday, 14 to 12. Um, so that's something to look forward to. These guys that are a huge part of this team, um, as told, Todd Bowles said, excuse me, he's like, you know, you're always going to miss your starters. These are guys that are just up to speed. They know what to do. They're ready to go. Then chemistry being a huge part of it. I think it's time for Tom Brady to have his supporting main characters, if you will, to really see what this team is capable of rather than just sitting there talking about the defense all day. Kaylee, did this get you hopeful? Did it get you excited? What did this injury report do for you? I mean, I think it's something that we've been talking about. I'm really, I'm excited. I don't feel like we've seen a true Tampa Bay offense yet. Yes, you did mention that. In part because the injuries and the injury bug and we haven't seen, I mean, Mike Evans will be back this week. He was suspended last week. So, I mean, like, yes, you know, sir. you know, there's, there's pieces that have been missing almost every single week. And so to have the possibility of having these guys back in Tom Brady's arsenal 
Mm -hmm. I think that we will finally get a good look if they are able to play, if they are good. And now again, I don't want them to play if they're not good. Right. <laughs> don't play just to play. Let's make sure you're good. Mm -hmm. um, but if they are good, I, I think that we will get the first actual look at what this offense can be because I think that, you know, I think that maybe there has been some limited play calling because of the receivers, because of who is out there for yeah. Tom Brady. And frankly, we have seen it in, in action. I mean, when you look at this Tampa Bay offense, they have not done what they were supposed to do going into this season. This mm -hmm. is before you need to start getting into gear. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we saw with the Super Bowl winning Bucks from two years ago, you can't just take the first nine weeks off, but it can be a little bit of figuring it out time. Mm -hmm. But I would say for this team, they need to figure it out sooner than later. Um, yeah. Don't want specifically because of confidence. Here's yes. the thing. Everyone has very high expectations of this team, especially of this offense. And it will start impacting their mental game, their confidence in themselves, in each mm -hmm. other, in their coaching staff. It will start impacting them if they don't get it into gear. And Casey, I'm already getting fired up. We haven't even started <laughs> talking. Technically. Down. We haven't even started technically talking about the offense versus, you know, the Bucks offense versus the Chiefs defense. But you know what? Maybe we should just go there because Let's get into it. It, it, it seems like, especially coming on the heels of that injury report that you just gave, if we're able to see some of those guys back, I think mm -hmm. it's a game changer literally for this team for this game oh absolutely because you pointed out one very significant thing the return of mike evans come on he's the go-to guy him and tom brady have that chemistry he has that trust in him those many 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 which breaks my heart to say those many dropped catches by scotty miller are almost you know a done deal when it comes to mike evans we're talking about a guy who made the most of three receptions versus the saints and i think he only had like five or six receptions five excuse me receptions uh versus the cowboys and has been a leader in that offense before the unfortunate um ejection and then turns to suspension versus the saints so a receptions 132 yards one touchdown through two games and i don't even think you can call it two games through like a game and a quarter if you will so mike evans is going to be a huge factor um not to kick up any any bad blood talking about sunday's game but i do truly believe that if mike evans was a part of that game we would possibly have had a different discussion on that post-game podcast here on Jolly Rogers and Touchdown. So Mike Evans is going to be a huge factor there, as you mentioned, hands down. And then post-game on Sunday, coach head, head coach Todd Bowles tells the media, you know, Julio Jones could have played today. We held them out. Okay. Well, that tells us a, a lot and B, Following up that statement, it was basically a more than likely he will be, you know, we're going to just see if we have that same, if we have that same opportunity for him to go, he's going to go and he is going to play. And that is what Coach Bowles said on Sunday. And then all of a sudden you have limited participation and they're saying he's a game time decision, but I don't think Coach Bowles would have said that from the podium if it was going to be a no. 
So I'm always going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to very strongly lean to the fact that you're going to see Julio Jones. Again, another guy who has made strides with three receptions, even though we've only seen him in one game. But if you can get one deep threat on this team, one deep threat that Tom Brady can actually go to, this Chiefs defense is, is the right team to try to exercise that with the right wide receiver, because you already know it's a shoe in for Tom Brady. It doesn't have to put too much conversation around this fragmented offensive line. And then let's talk about that for a second. Say you get the return of Donovan Smith. That's a little bit more confidence, as you mentioned, Kaylee, that that very important confidence that you need to say, hey, we can get a, we can get this done. We can actually execute these plays. And if they have the confidence of being able to make that stuff work, then you're going to look at a different offense they can generate a little better. They came out pretty decent versus the Packers to start off their first drive and then fell apart because of mistakes. Week four, there should not be any miscues. So hopefully everybody was in their freaking playbook and in those meetings, awake, alive, and alert with enough caffeine because do not enter Raymond James on week four and have miscues and, and, and mental errors. Enough. Enough of that. Um, you're never going to seal the deal about having a, a roster spot on this team if it's week four and you still can't get it together. So two significant players that I think can contribute. Kaylee, somebody, you were high on him in training camp. You and I were both shocked to not see this man in a Bucks uniform active on the roster. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coach Bowles was asked about, you know, the heavy workload that Leonard Fournette is taking on. And Lenny is killing it. Lenny is doing what Lenny can. He is relentless on that field when he gets the ball, but I feel like they could be a little bit more creative if they add Keyshawn Vaughn to the mix. You think we'll see a little Keyshawn Vaughn action this Sunday? I mean, Todd Bowles alluded to it. He Mm -hmm. said that, that it was going to be a guy that we were going to see more of and that, that we needed to see more of. And again, Casey, you and I were pretty hard on this coaching staff last week after that (laughs) two point loss to the Packers. And And frankly, Yeah, frankly, as we should have been, because there has not been very much creativity. There has you have not used the weapons that you do have at your disposal. Okay, I get it. Mike Evans is suspended. You told you, you know, you decided that, you know, this guy's going to sit out. Yep. Use the players that you do have. And I think between the tight ends that you have, and the running backs that you have, you have a very strong running game. You have a very capable running game. Mm-hmm. And they already said at the very beginning of this year that that was something that they were going to commit to. And it seems like at a little bit of instability, a little bit of rockiness, a little bit of like shaky ground in the offense, and they abandoned game plan. And it's like, yeah. you, can't, you can't do that. You have to stick to this game plan because it was working for you and it will work for you. Now just get creative. If you commit to it, you just have to get, you know, if like Lenny can only do so much, especially if he's 
you know, five guys are on him. He's powerful and he tries to push through those five guys, but Mm -hmm. there's only so much that he can do. If you get creative, if you mix it up and I'm not talking trick play creative, let's dial that back. (laughs) Sorry to bring that up, Casey. I know that that's a a, a sour subject for you. I think that you're going to have to be creative. And Casey, frankly, as we continue talking about this offense versus this Chiefs defense, they're going to need to get creative because Absolutely. we've already talked about some of the O-line struggles. Casey, this Chiefs defense, they had five sacks, mm-hmm. 10 QB hits, pressure on 35.7% of the plays yeah. that the Colts took last week. Now, the Colts were still able to pull it out, and I think that the Bucks will be able to as well. But that is a strong D line. Like they're going to come at you. And we've, we've talked uh, about the trenches, you know, it's a battle that frankly, the bucks lost last week. You Brady gets sacked three times. How much pressure did he take Casey? You ask? Well, I have an answer to that question. (laughs) He only had pressure on 17.8% of the plays. Mm Mm-mm. This is a team that is going to pressure him almost double that. Almost yeah. double that. So he has to be ready. This O-line, they have to be ready. They yes. have to be ready. They have to be prepared because this defense is not messing around. And that's mm-hmm. what's so interesting about this matchup. Um, we'll get into it. But these two teams resemble each other very, very well. They're two offenses that, frankly, are underperforming. They're two defenses that are overperforming and have carried mm-hmm. the team in a lot of ways. Um, and so it will be very interesting to see how this Bucks team and how this Bucks offense comes against, in some ways, kind of like their twin brother, you know, like a, a clone to a degree of themselves because yes. it, it is, uh, they're built in some of the same kind of ways. Um, this defense isn't a defense that you can mess around with. And so they have to be prepared going into this week and getting creative using dynamic run games, using dynamic schemes, doing something different, set up the guy in, in, you know, inside, outside, move him around, like something different. That is going to be your friend. These guys are smart. They're capable of moving around. They're capable of remembering plays and it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And you make a good point too, to mention the the reflection of one another. Cause I remember on, on our uh, preview pod for the Packers game, I was like, oh, this is very similar that the circumstances made it similar because limited wide receivers, so on and so forth, uh, predominantly trying to execute through the run game, blah, 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 blah. Um, with this, you make a great point to the fact that they both kind of heavily relied on, on their defense to pull through for them. Um, and, it, the game planning is going to be so crucial here because the Colts were somebody who was struggling. Everyone was very hype on the Colts and where the Colts have a similarity to the Bucks that they can kind of look at in a peer view and say, okay, let's use that to our advantage is that entering the 2022 season, the Colts were this formidable defense that everybody was excited to watch and that was heavily talked about. And then you have this run game that's supposed to be run down every team's throat. Week one, flop. Week two, flop. Week three, flop. Desperate for a win, beat the Chiefs by three. So 
how did they accommodate that? Well, the Colts kind of very evenly distributed the ball between the run game and the passing game against this Chiefs defense because they have a couple heavy hitters, yeah, but a lot of it is in the trenches. It is in their defensive ends, um, some of you know some of their linebackers. But then once you get out to that secondary, that's something that they can kind of get a little uh, more confident pairing up against with these receivers, not the receivers that they had Sunday versus the Packers, but the set, the receivers that we're hoping to see this Sunday. Yeah. This can put up a little bit more of a fight out there. So love that comparison as to how they reflect each other about that, you know, kind of sloppy on offense, heavily relying on defense. Um, but as I said, the top runner on the Colts got 72 yards on the Chiefs defense. The top wide receiver got 71 yards. So you're talking now about Mike Evans, Julio Jones, potentially Chris Godwin. Now let's be realistic. Chris Godwin and Julio Jones will probably be on a snap count, which is fine, which means that they really do have to be strategic on when they're going to use them because you can't heavily abuse them in the first half and then pull them out in the second half. They have to be equally you know, played out from – throughout all four quarters there. Um, what can help them with that is not over here assuming that Leonard Fournette is just going to be the, the workhorse. Because now that we're in week four, do you like is it not obvious that teams are going to game plan for what Leonard Fournette's going to do and every time that he's going to grab the ball? The minute you see him line up next to Tom Brady, you know, for the most part, they're adjusting for that run and they're waiting for that. You need to have a, a bit of a disguise in there. You need to have a decoy or you line up two running backs and then you pick your poison at the moment. But that's where they need to get creative versus this trick play awfulness that we saw and will not, will not go back down. Um, but you mentioned it. And then as for the five sacks that the – you know, they delivered versus the Chiefs last week. We're talking about Nick Bolton, linebacker, two sacks. We know what these linebackers do when they're coming off of a, of a sack-heavy game. They're ready to increase it, and we're talking about going against one of the top, the top quarterback in the league. They're going to be that much more hungry to get on Tom Brady. You've got Legereus Snee, a cornerback, who's going to be probably one of the only guys or the main guy in the secondary who's going to cause an issue. You've got Carlos Dunlap coming off the edge with one sack from last week. And you've got Frank Clark coming off the edge with a sack from last week. So you've got guys who has Tom Brady's name as the perfect target lined up in their mind, ready to attack, heavy in the trenches this team can be. They need to find a way to equally distribute the ball like the Colts did between the run game and the passing game. And then if they do have multiple healthy receivers or healthy enough, because we know they're going to play them regardless, um, they need to slice it up in the secondary. Those matchings when it comes to Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin versus the Chiefs secondary, I think could be huge for the Bucks and having an advantage. Yeah, and so um, I, I know – I'm interested in your take on this because you mentioned in some of the Bucks wide receivers and you mentioned, uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier what that injury report looked like. And I know that Russell Gage was technically deemed questionable, but mm -hmm. he was the main guy that this Bucks offense relied on last week. And I yep. think if he is able to go, which I don't understand, I don't know exactly why he was deemed questionable, but but I'm thinking maybe, yeah. do you think, Casey, it was a little bit more of like a rest situation than like a will-be-out-for-Sunday situation? Um, so, yes, it, well, half and half on that because he has technically been on limited participation yeah. this entire season and yeah. then suited up to play. Um, as we saw versus the Cowboys, he was most definitely on a snap count. He only participated very little. Um they kind of threw him in there when they really needed to get like, you know, a few yards 
quick little under, un, underneath throw and then move down the field. Um, he showed up big for them versus the Packers was the only guy to find the end zone, if you will. So I, there was a play that he got up and he, you know, kind of limped around a little bit and looked like, oh crap, this is not fun, but I'm going to push through for my team. So he did push through something or if not, maybe re-irritated whatever he's been trying to slowly nurse back to heal to, you know, fully healed. Um, I do think that he's probably just going to go back on a reduced snap count like he did week one, especially if they have, you know, more wide receivers to distribute the ball through. And I think we're forgetting one of the most exciting parts here, whether you're a fan of this guy or not, you've got Cole Beasley, who's now that much further into the playbook, that much more acclimated with the team, has three more practices uh, building off of last week and Sunday under his belt. And this is a guy who I got a chance to talk to in the locker room on Sunday who said, you know, for me, it's just getting that much more time with Tom and that much more time in the book, but I am good at picking up on things quickly. This is the quickest that I've ever had to transit, like pick up on stuff in a team, but I'm good at picking up on things quickly. And we saw him for, I think two or three receptions versus the Packers. And he's going to try to, he's going to basically beat out that role for Scotty Miller. And yeah. if he, his catch percentage, which is already way more <laughs> than Scotty Miller's, he's going to be more of an opportunity and an option in that, in that stretch there. So now you're also talking about somebody who can be uh, an alleviator with all these wide receivers that will be on snap counts on Sunday. But that kind of brings me to something different. We've talked about having wide, certain wide receivers back. We've talked about the options being reestablished there. We talked about getting being consistent, which is extremely important, and being creative when your back's really against the wall, utilizing that running back group, but not just heavy on on Leonard Fournette and then throwing it to the rookie here and there. Like clearly Rashad White still needs to get up to speed and gain his confidence there. So it's time for Keyshawn Vaughn to come in and build off of what he did in training camp. But then it takes us to that tight end room. Co-Keep's been killing it. Kadon, unfortunately, was not a part of Sunday's game, which, you know, all still prayers go out to Kadot and his family. Um, his mom actually passed away, and that's why he was not a part of practices last week and not a part of Sunday's game. No matter how old you are, losing a parent is just devastating and so, so mentally tough. Um, yeah, so praying for him. He is back with the team, but within that, he's kind of eliminated what we were foreseeing for Kyle Rudolph. But Kyle Rudolph finally dressed out for his first game as a Buccaneer on Sunday, had one pretty beautiful catch, in my opinion, and some quality blocking opportunities. I would love to see Rudolph, Auten, um, Keith, as well as Cam Bray all dress out in that tight end room. I think that the tight ends are kind of underutilized and undervalued, especially if you have a banged up wide receiver group and you're only heavily relying on one running back. I think you can bring in some really magnificent disguises lining up, you know, uh, in Rudolph. That's where you get creative. Exactly. That's the creativity. You use your tight ends. You utilize what you have, the weapons that you have, the options yep. that you have, you have to do that. Um, you know, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Like it, it is so crucial that you use the weapons that you have play to your strengths. Yes. You have guys that can do things. And so you have to play to that. And so um, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think Cameron Brait was my player of the week last week because yeah. frankly, I think that the tight end group is probably the only group that I don't have too much criticism for on this offense because we haven't criticized them I think they've been doing their jobs better than anybody else on the offense has been doing their jobs. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's just something that you like to see and it's something that, you know, I know that, you know, the, the fullback, the tight end, it's not always as utilized in the NFL nowadays, but I think it should be. I think that yeah. you can be the team to really utilize that again, especially, especially if you have a guy to do it. If you yeah. have a guy to do it, why not? That's the trick play. If you want to call it a trick play, yeah. even though you don't, that's the kind of creativity, as you mentioned, but trick play or whatever you should fall back on when things aren't yeah. going your way. You have a guy that can play H back fullback. Um, if you're willing to do it with Cameron Bray, freaking try it with Co Keith for crying out loud. Like, yeah have better tight end sets out there, or at least use it as a disguise to fully open up your run game and and not always just throw it to Leonard Fournette. Well, and then you get more options as well. Like whenever you're talking about that in terms of the defensive, you you know, in in terms of what the defense then has to do, you're making Mm -hmm. the defense have to work that much harder. You're making the the linebackers and the, the corners and this, you know, you're making all of them have to think and, oh, who do I cover? Do I leave this gap there? And then you're spreading the field and mm-hmm. then you're going to have multiple options to go to because that is something that we saw and have seen, frankly, is that there are times where like Brady really doesn't have very many options. And yeah. I blame that on the creativity. You have to spread this field out. You have to give Brady some options. He has to be able to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to really get inside the mind of this defense. If you're able to set up a few different options, then you're going to get the defense on their heels and you're going to put yourself in the driver's seat. Um, you know, I know that we mentioned the receivers, but I just want to take a look at the numbers from Russell Gage from last week. He had 13 targets. He caught 12 of those mm-hmm. and he had 87 yards and a touchdown. These receivers can produce. They- yeah. They catch balls when the balls are thrown to them, mm-hmm. when they're open. Russell, I mean, for the most part. Well, your starters. You're, you're Miller, um, you know. <laughs> I know what you meant. But, yes, um, yeah, your top guys, the Russell Gages of the world, the Mike Evans of the world, they're going to go out there and they're going to really put on a show. Mm-hmm. You can't just rely on them. Because yeah. it's too predictable and the matchups are too easy. You have to get creative. This is a strategic game and it's time to start playing ch- chess instead of playing checkers. Absolutely. You, know, you can't do that. And so in order to do that, I really want to see them get more creative. Um you know, with, with the guys in the backfield, I want to see them get more creative with the tight ends and yeah. and you know, with the wide receivers both with the routes that they're running and with just the setups. You know, again, Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to trick defenses. This is an opportunity to spread the field, and it's something that you need to do for Tom Brady to be successful. Absolutely. They need to now not only help Tom Brady, but help themselves. And you mentioned you mentioned something very interesting earlier about them being potential, these offenses mirroring one another. Um, Let's maybe quick kind of like – kind of touchly (laughs) a little quickly if you will on you know how comparable these two offenses are before we switch to chatting about the uh, Chiefs offense versus this Bucks defense so comparable Casey these are two offenses that everybody was hype on at the beginning of the season it's Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes it's Tom Brady they're you know Super Bowl rematch it's these are two MVP caliber quarterbacks and then Mm -hmm. the question was is can Tom Brady do it at his age? Yeah. And can Patrick Mahomes 
do it without the cheetah. And so far, and I don't, and I'm not blaming it on the quarterbacks, but so far <laughs> they haven't been able to show out, right? Yes. Both, both offenses underperform through, you know, for, through the first three weeks. Um, you look at Tom Brady, he had 271 yards last week, but he only had one touchdown and mm-hmm. he didn't have any interceptions and his, you know, on paper, it was a perfect performance on paper. Right. His, his, uh, QB rating was 98.4 on paper. Perfect. But did he get it done? Was he able to like move the ball? Yes. No, Game. he had no. six and a half yards per attempt. He was not able to move the ball. And frankly, mm-hmm. again, I don't blame all of that on him. You right. look at Mahomes last week, uh, 262 yards, about nine yards of a difference between Brady. He mm-hmm. had one touchdown. He had an interception to frankly lose the game for them. And because of that interception, his uh, QB rating was 78.5. So he's like, not a like a oh, pretty man. bad. Pretty <laughs> bad I was like, whoa. It's not good. Okay. Both teams lose last minute because their offense can't get it done. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. And I think both quarterbacks know that this is the, the conversation. That the conversation is, oh, Tom's too old. He doesn't have it anymore. Or, oh, Pat can't do it without the cheetah. Right. Without Hill. And so both quarterbacks are trying to fight against this system. Both offenses are trying Mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, what do we do? What does this chief's offense look like Uh without Tyreek Hill? What does it look like? And get it done. And, and, and for the bucks, what does this offense look like with the guys, with guys that are banged up? And so I think that there's a lot of comparisons um, on both, again, offense and defense, because mm-hmm. this Bucks defense is lined up very similar to this Chiefs, um, to the Chiefs defense, and, and and that is kind of a perfect transition into getting into, you know, Chiefs offense against this Bucks defense this because Bucks defense. it is going to be a very interesting battle. Casey, what are your first thoughts when you think about Patrick Mahomes? going against this stout Bucks defense? I actually get very excited, more excited than nervous. I know that what happened against the Packers was just so hard to watch, um, but a lot of that was a slow start for the Bucks defense and uh, basically no start for the Bucks offense, if you will. So for me, I'm really excited about this for a couple of reasons. One, every defensive player that I've had the opportunity to interview so far says that they like, they love, they prefer going up against these high caliber quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. You know, they've already got guys like Lamar Jackson on their list. They've got all the top quarterbacks who not only have a good arm on them, but also know how to mobilize, use their feet and gain some quality rushing yards. So knowing that you're going to be going up against that kind of competitive, that caliber of an athlete and be excited about it. I mean, as a former athlete, I know that that used to juice me up so much to be like, oh yeah, I'm ready to prove that like I'm that good because I can catch this guy. I can get this guy. I can read this guy. So every defensive player I know gets very amped up to play Patrick Mahomes. Another thing is that this Bucks defense, they as we've both said, the revival of the great diggers, the revival of this defense, they don't want to be those one hit wonders, if you will, who happen to 
uh, overcome and beat the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl and not be the last thing. They have been waiting for that opportunity to say, hey, we're even better than that team that beat them in the Super Bowl. And as a, as a cute little side note for you, Jolly Rogers and touchdown fans, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be wearing the same uniforms that they wore, the whole get-up colors, the whole color scheme, everything that they wore in the Super Bowl versus the Chiefs. So if that doesn't tell you about the chip that this team has on their shoulder heading into this matchup in prime time on Sunday, come on, just gain that. Take that perspective as you will. But I love the fact that these guys are really hyped up to take on Patrick Mahomes. And it's not just Patrick Mahomes. As you said, without the Cheetah being there, what does this offense look like? We typically know that Travis Kelsey is one of the lead guys to go to. He's that clutch yard tight end. Um, not particularly a true tight end, if you will, but he knows it for himself. He can put out surprising blocks, but he's kind of got worked in the, few, the first two weeks of this season. I mean, he almost went viral for some of the body slams that these defensive ends are putting on this guy. So so, you know, I think defenses are kind of seeing a better, more uh, more controlled way to not fully eliminate Travis Kelsey, but contain Travis Kelsey. I mean, last week versus the Colts, I think he only had five receptions, if you will. And this is a guy who typically is lighting up the field in honor of the jersey that he is wearing on him. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, four receptions, 58 yards, and one touchdown. And I think he was their only touchdown of the game, if I am not mistaken. Now you have this new addition, uh, Juju Schuster from the Steelers. Juju, I like. He's that yak guy. He's that guy that you have to make sure you wrap up on your tackles because once you grab him, he has the ability to catch more yards and really make you pay for it. So he is coming off of a five-reception, 89-yard performance versus the Colts, and, I, and I'm trusting that this team can do better. I believe that there was also an adjustment period with them playing without Akeem Hicks. Even though we're not hearing his name every play, Akeem Hicks does take up a lot of space in the center there. Vita Vea has to step up, but Vita tends to have slow season starts, if you will, and then really starts to ramp it up. But I'm hoping that his number was called on in practice this week to say, hey, especially with Akeem Hicks out, we need you to really step up here because it can't go all on the shoulders of rookie Logan Hall, who collected his first sack versus the Packers. I'm sure he's going to be excited to build off of that because he even said he's looking forward to going up against the best of the best. So you just have a defense that works so well in unison top to bottom this score versus the Packers on Sunday would have been way worse if this defense did not show up in the second half so luckily they did show up they luckily showed up but this time they need to show up earlier and for four full quarters and if they do that I think we're in for a very 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 exciting game so one thing I want to know on what you were saying uh Casey is that um in terms of the run game Mm-hmm. This Chiefs offense, frankly, doesn't really have a run game. Their no. leading rusher last week was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> and so it will be really interesting to see. And that's just something that this Bucks defense has to keep in mind because, again, whenever you put pressure on Patrick Mahomes, he's going to get outside the pocket. He's going to use his feet. And so when you do put pressure on him, you have to make sure you get him because he will run and he will gain some yards. And so you have to make sure when you're going to pressure him, when you're going to blitz, when you're going to go in there, wrap him up, get him, do not lose him. That's something that they're going to have to keep in mind. But I think that that plays in the Bucks' favor having little to no run game for this Chiefs offense. Um, Yes. You know, they do have to, again, be wary of Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think that they're going to get run over. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that they 
get run over, um, <laughs> but but that's not as big of a threat yeah. from this team um, as as it is from other teams. And so that's just something that I think, again, plays into the Bucks' favor. Absolutely. And I'm actually really glad that you pointed that out because um, something that I was going to mention is that without them having this massive run game, I think McKinnon had 20 yards for seven carries. They came in very, uh, like, very much under 60 yards against the Colts. Again, a defense that was very hype in the beginning of the season, this formidable team. I think the Bucs are better. I think the Bucs are stronger. This defense, as you and I mentioned, probably the best defense in the NFC. And we're going to continue to stand by that. But now they need to show up and stand by that for four full quarters. Now, with that said, completely, completely agreeing with your point about them not having to overly worry about the run game whatsoever is that they pass amongst six options in the Chiefs offense last week versus the Colts. So obviously now it's going to really be a time for the Gravediggers to do what they did week one and week two and then some. Um, Again, it's not always about hearing the players' names to say what they're doing on the field, but Mike Edwards was a beast last week. Nine total tackles, four assists. And then I gave Antoine Winfield Jr., I'm not going to lie, I gave him a hard time. I was like, where was Winfield Jr. when you need him? There was no heavy hitting. There was no – okay, he was second, (laughs) followed behind Edwards, but he only had six total tackles, no assists. And then as you go down the line, it was Dean, five total, one assist. Davis, four total, two assists. And then David, three total, four assists. A lot of non-tackles. And Logan Hall in the locker room after the game did mention the fact that they were missing a lot of tackles in the first half. And I think those totals really kind of put that into perspective because there was a game where your leading tackler had 11 tackles, and that was Devin White. Um, And Devin White's not even on this top five list of guys. So the guy coming off of this high sack performance, he was just – announced and 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 celebrated as the top defensive player um voted by the nfl we need to see that guy sunday if we see that guy sunday this is going to be a completely different game and it's not going to be that hey the chiefs are favored by minus 2.5 it's going to be oh hey look the bucks are finally here and they're doing something without heavily relying on this defense they're bringing it together as a whole so with the six passing options that they have after the top two it really kind of falls off juju was their head guy travis kelly followed by that then you have um, I should mention this, Valdez Scanting, he had four receptions for 48 yards versus yeah. the Colts. He is on their injury report um, with limited participation. So that's something that we're going to see if he actually, you know, does participate Sunday as he was one of those six options. And if he does, he may be on a limited snap count. And then after that, you've got Edwards Hilaire, which five receptions, 39 yards. But these are smaller guys who I really feel like, you know, Levante David and Devin White can have a heyday going up against, but not even him. You've got, you know, Jamil Dean, who has honestly just built performance by performance by performance. I'm very impressed by this kid. Um, Mike Edwards, obviously. And then you mentioned him on the post-game podcast. I get so confused with all the Logans. Um, You guys know I hate trying to figure out people's names. But (laughs) Logan Ryan. I was going to say Holler Ryan. (laughs) Logan Ryan. He's somebody else who's been a massive playmaker, Kaylee. He has had two turnovers in the past two oh not the Packers game but was it the Packers game yes he was my no he did something in the Packers game but he had a forced turnover versus the Cowboys I want to say is when he did the punch out and then something versus he had an interception as well 
That's what it was. He was the interception this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two turnovers mm-hmm. before that. Punched out the ball versus the Cowboys week one. Had his um, fourth fumble. First yeah. fumble. And then intercepted uh, Aaron Rodgers. So he's someone who's just – I love watching those players that do great things but build off of each performance week by week by week. So there are a handful of players on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that I significantly believe in to step up just that much further – and it's all about having a faster start. If there's one thing this team had to have focused on in practice this week, it was having a faster start. Whatever that takes, whatever that means or what that looks like, they made that a focal point. And if they can execute that on Sunday versus the Chiefs, I think we're in for a really, really good game and matchup and an ability to contain a very strong, similar team. Well, Casey, that brings us to our predictions. I will go first and then I'll put you on the spot. I think that this is going to be the breakout game for this Bucks offense for multiple reasons, but I think the emotions surrounding this game, the wanting to do it for your community, uh, I think the players that you have back, I think that the coaches did feel the pressure last week, and I think that they are going to get more creative this week. for all of those reasons, I think that this is the Bucks' breakout offensive performance. I think that they put up 27. I think that they win 27-21 over the Chiefs. Oh, I love it. I had 27-24. Okay, a little bit closer. Okay. A little bit closer just for any hiccups. I know, guys. I don't I don't want to be that person. I was just so I, I believe was, in our was defense more. Warrior. I was their biggest warrior against everybody that told me that the Packers were not going to, well, the Packers were going to beat them because the favorability changed moments before the game, favoring the Packers by plus one. And I was, I was offended and I went to war for these guys and then I was embarrassed. So I'm just going to try to find a, a healthy, happy medium here. I do have the Bucks pulling it off. Um, I believe that they will. I, I, I like 27 a lot because, as I mentioned earlier, there's not that many heavy hitters, in my opinion, on this Chiefs secondary. So with that said, I feel like they will have an opportunity, hoping that they have back, you know, half of this arsenal of wide receivers that everybody was so excited to watch in the beginning of the season. Um, if they can at least spread them out, keep the keep, keep that secondary guessing, and utilize your tight ends on certain plays. Cameron Bray has drawn two penalties in the last three games, if you will. So that's an asset, in my opinion. If you can switch things up a little bit, get your tight ends more involved, dress Keyshawn Vaughn and have him alleviate Leonard Fournette on certain plays, but very much, you know, spread the ball amongst this wide receiving core, your starters, not these other guys. Um, I think that they can have some fun with that. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up going into a little bit more of a high-scoring game. Because I love the fact that you mentioned that this Bucks defense can put a stop to the Chiefs if they're not going to have this dominant run game that takes that takes place because this secondary is very strong and very formidable. And I want to see the grave diggers dig some graves on Sunday. So I'm gonna for for my not too wistful self, I'm gonna keep it 27-24. But I think we're both going with a Bucks W, which means. Guys, we gave you our thoughts, our predictions, our insight, as well as some entertainment revolving around this Bucks hosting the Chiefs Sunday here on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. But there's always somebody that has to walk the plank. That's true. That's true. You have a somebody, a thing, a person situation in mind for this week's before we close out our Chiefs versus Bucks preview. I mean, 
honestly, I wasn't going to do Walk the Plank this week, but if I have to, I guess it would be Hurricane Ian. Like, yeah, that, that was the reason why I wasn't going to do it because I didn't want to like, you know, um, but I just, again, ha the same way that we started this pod, I'm, I'm going to end it the same way, you know, our, our thoughts, our prayers are with the people who have been impacted mm -hmm. um, by this hurricane. I know that that, that this is fun and that this is a game and that we love talking about it. Um, humans are bigger than a game and, Absolutely. and community is bigger than a game. And I know that it can be a sense of relief and a, a, a you know, a, a sense of kind of escaping what the real world heaviness looks like right now, because especially for a lot of Floridians, it does feel really heavy. And mm -hmm. so I hope for those people that if they can, and if they choose to tune into the game, um, on Sunday that it brings them some joy and happiness, um, you know, but, but really my heart and my prayers and, and frankly, my financial support will go out to, um, the people of this great state and the people who have been impacted, um, Absolutely. by Hurricane Ian, uh, our hearts are with you. And, you know, we just want to, you to know that we're here for you. Um, and that there's a lot of people who frankly are rooting for you and are rooting mm -hmm. for your communities and for your small business and for you to be able to get back into your feet. Um, I know the kind of disaster that hurricanes bring and, um, you know, truly, truly, I am, I am heartbroken. It, it is devastating to see the pictures and videos coming out of the areas that have been most affected. And so, um, I would just, again, just anybody who can give, whether it, it, it be, you know, items of, of clothing, canned goods, financial mm -hmm. support. Every little bit helps. If, if all you can give is just, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers, then like, you know, whatever you can, I would just, I would just commend you to, to be thinking and, and giving what you can to the people who have been impacted by this tragedy. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I threw walk the plank back in there because I felt like we would both have the same walk the plank, the same opinion on this. Um, again, mother nature is a force to be reckoned with. And there's, there's no way to over prepare for anything like this, no matter how much you try to figure it out. Uh, watch the meteorologists um, preparing by stocking up everybody's trying to do the same thing at the same time and trying to manage those stress levels, those worries, those concerns, trying to anticipate what that might feel like, um, what those winds might sound like, just everything encompassing mother nature and storms is, is very hard to manage in so many different ways, uh, physically, emotionally, and so on and so forth. So as Kaylee put it beautifully, our hearts, our prayers, our minds, everything is with everybody and everyone who was impacted by Hurricane Ian. Um, we will actually list some of the places that you can go donate or help or figure out different ways to help. Kaylee also mentioned the fact that there's more ways to help than just financially. You know, if you've had clothes sitting in your closet that you know that you don't wear, that you don't fit in anymore, it's not your style, whatever the case may be, if, the, if it's something that can just be packed up and go somewhere else, um, that's going to mean the world to somebody whose house is flooded and, you know, doesn't even know where their belongings are, let alone the next articles of clothing they'll wear to figure out the next chapter of their life. So 
I know that this game is going to be huge for the Bucks. I know that they're going to honor what just took place. And more importantly, as humans, we all have a way to contribute and, and hold everybody impacted up in the highest regard and just kind of give in one capacity or another. So um, that's where we will leave you guys, Hurricane Ian. While you are a force to be reckoned with, we have you walk the plank for just being a huge, huge, huge inconvenience and unfortunate destruction in people's lives. Um, Again, guys, we will list everything in every opportunity and way that you can help. I know Kaylee and I are going to do everything that we can on the ground here in the community of Tampa Bay. Um, be sure to check out those ways to help. And um, Kaylee will be sure to make sure that all the best accommodations are linked on our socials at Jolly Rogers TDS. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, and of course, and, and I have to also give a shout out, Casey, to um, you know, to our employer, honestly, you know, yeah. Odyssey Sports, they've been so compassionate to you and I um, in this time. I know fans, we, we, we took a few days off. This has been um, a, a different schedule than what we're used to. And we thank yes. you guys for your patience with us in this time. Um, and again, just a, a, a huge shout out to James, Bill, Jake, um, everybody who we work with over at Odyssey Sports. You guys have been incredible, making Amazing. sure that we're taken care of, making sure that our families are taken care of, um, making sure that we are, are are safe and okay and ready to to move forward and to to do this podcast to bring you guys entertainment and to hopefully bring you a little bit of light. And we hope that we did that today. Um, we really do care for you fans. We love hearing from you. So be sure to hit us up. That's Jolly Rogers TDS on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Kaylee Mizell. Casey is at the Sports Case, K-A-S-E. And we really appreciate hearing from you guys. We are really excited to get into this week and this Sunday game. And of course, we will have a new podcast weather permitting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you can check out those podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or download the Spotify. Uh, excuse me, the Odyssey app. And I would really encourage you to do so because there's extras, there's articles there. Um, there's all of these different things. So download that Odyssey app and get those episodes straight into your phone. Turn it on auto download. And we can't wait to uh, be with you guys uh, on Monday morning, breaking down this Bucks win. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.